0: But Utah's Toughest had this allure of a way to go out at the end of a season, see what I had left, to challenge myself in something I've never done before, to do back-to-back races, and to go experience an event that is quite honestly the opposite of an Ironman race, right? There's no support. There's no timing chip. There's no drop off your bike the night before. You have to find your own aid along the way. You can have your own personal support. I chose to use gas stations along the, the bike route. And the unknown of trail running. I haven't done any trail running. I don't own trail shoes. I actually own one pair of shoes, the Hoka One One Claytons. They're what I've had for the past, you know, six, 700 miles of running on the road, maybe some dirt path, but not much trail running. I watched my wife out there crushing the trails. So there was that element and just putting myself again in situation where I don't know how I'm gonna get out. I don't know how I'm gonna get out. Now you can choose that as something that's fearful, something that you should be afraid of, or you can choose it and choose your attitude of what kind of growth am I gonna get out of this? What sort of opportunities am I gonna see? And I saw this race from the start as an opportunity to grow myself as an athlete and coach
1: welcome back to episode 122 of the ytp we are jess and bj and we are the creators of yogi triathlete we are on a mission to create a better world and it's crazy to see how far and wide this community has grown in just a few short years Those of you who know the whole YT story know that she was born well over a decade ago, but officially she became our number one in 2016 when we sold our home, got rid of everything we owned, and hit the road to go all in to raise awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for everyone. The words that best describe this community of athletes and non-athletes alike is awake and ready. And how do we know this? We know this because we are seeing the hashtags and we are hearing the lingo, you guys. So continue to let us know what's going on by using those words to describe the way that you want to move through the world. One of our pod listeners has just taken her journey one step deeper by joining Team YT. I want to officially welcome Helen's mom aka Lauren to the team. Lauren's husband Matt has been training with us for just over a year and she makes it official we have two power couples in the family. So, well I guess including PJ and I it would be three power couples in the family. so it's like to have you with us Lauren. I also want to congratulate Anita from the team who crushed a 10k swim in 60 degree water a few weeks ago in Scotland and she beat her predicted time by one hour. Yes, we are an international family, so no matter where you are in the world, you can be a part of a fast-growing team of badasses. Also, thank you, Vegan Powered Athlete, who is our latest Patreon supporter. Thank you so much. And I believe Vegan Powered Athlete is right here in San Diego, so we need to get you on the show. Uh, Thank you so much. We are incredibly grateful for your support, all of our Patreon supporters. You guys, you are a huge reason why why this show continues And for anybody who doesn't know what Patreon is, well, for as little as five bucks a month, you can help us continue the show. You can help us continue to share stories and create connection across the globe with your support. So today's show, let's get down to it. I want to welcome back my husband to the show, and I want to welcome back my husband into our marriage because I literally haven't seen him for like three weeks. And today we're going to dive into his experience at Utah's toughest extreme triathlon, which he did six days after Ironman Mount Tremblant. So, baby, it's, I, its so good to see. It's you. It's so good
0: to see you. It was it's so
1: good to see you.
0: Quite the transition: dropping me, picking me up at the airport for about forty-eight hours, dropping me back off at the airport, gone for a few days. You pick me up at the airport, and three hours later, I drop you off at the airport,
1: and then, <laughs> and then
0: I came and picked you up. Eight
1: days later, I came home. It's so,
0: been a whirlwind, and we don't normally.
1: We aren't normally apart. So
0: we spend <laughs> 99.9% of our time in this little tiny studio here, 400 square foot studio. Or
1: at Steady State Or at Steady State
0: with Clark. So the pack is back. So it was actually quite a, quite a good experience to, to hit the road for a little bit and, and travel. I hadn't traveled since Wisconsin, oh my God, a year ago, Wisconsin last year, or Boulder. We actually went to Boulder this year, but uh, we did that together.
1: And didn't you do Arizona last year?
0: I did do Arizona last year. Yeah, I did, I guess a little bit of travel. Yeah. You see my short term, (laughs) long term memory has gone.
1: But anyway, so you're just getting back from Utah's toughest and I want to, this is what I want to dive into because we haven't even had a chance to unravel this yet. And it was, it was extreme. It was, it was a crazy experience. And so it seems like every bit of this race was meant to break you mentally. And I want to get into that a little bit deeper, but I guess the first question I have is, like, why did you do this six days after Ironman Iron Mont Trombone? Like, why did you do a back-to-back?
0: Well, originally, I have every intention of qualifying for Kona. So it was, first off, going to be a little celebration for qualifying for Kona. And you may think that's a little sick to celebrate by going out and doing Utah's toughest. But But also, James had reached out and we had been chatting for some reason I, I i'm compelled to the energy that james has and ever since we connected when he was doing his 50 50 50 in yeah so people who don't know
1: james he's the so iron he's, cowboy who did 50 iron mans in 50 days in 50 states back in 2015 that's when we met him
0: yeah and since then we've stayed connected
1: so the guy's tough
0: guy's super tough Hear that, James? You're tough. I'll give I'll give you credit. You're tough. <laughs> so when he puts together a race, obviously, I've got to go out and give this.
1: And you can't tell him that you're too this, tired. Right.
0: To do two Ironmans in six days where he did 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states.
1: But I have a question for you. Because yeah. I had experienced before seeing people doing like back-to-back Ironmans or back-to-back marathons. And like this was, you know before I started putting things closer together and realized, like, it's fun. I actually I actually really like doing that. I had a little bit of judgment, like, that's too much. You shouldn't do that. You need time to rest, blah, blah, blah. But now that I understand that there's no good or bad or that there's no right or wrong, it doesn't really matter what you do. But I guess I'm asking you that same question. Did you ever have judgment against people who would do back-to-back Ironmans or Ironmans really close? or Absolutely. And then here you are doing it. So right. did that correlate like did that come into your your awareness like oh I've I've judged people for doing this and now I'm doing it
0: yeah absolutely I, I you we talk about turning it back on yourself like what you think about others is the same thing that's that needs work within you right so if I'm judging others saying they're not prepared they're not ready they're pushing too hard I can turn that back on myself right and it, it opened my eyes to, well, you don't know them as individuals. You don't know where what their past has been. You don't know what their fitness is. You don't know what their... Most importantly, you don't know what their mindset is. Because to have the mindset, to have no fear and no, no pullback on, on a challenge like this, just to go all in, is, is quite an undertaking. And I, and I felt, to answer your question... BJ in the past would have been contemplating, oh, should I do this race? Should I not do the race? You know, it's six days after. Whereas now I'm in the mindset of just acting. I just want to act. I want to keep momentum moving forward, right? We, we learned that in Boulder, like keep momentum moving forward. And so that's what I did. And, and when, I, when I signed up, yeah, it was great, but I didn't give it, we'll get into it, but I didn't give it much more thought after that. It was just right. like, here's Mount Chamblant, which I really need to That was your focus. Focus. And then we'll work on Utah's toughest later on. You know, in the (laughs) five days. As as in in when the race is happening. Right.
1: But to go back to that idea of judgment, and I've certainly experienced this especially earlier on in my athletic career. And I had a, uh, a close friend who used to run a lot of marathons. Well, she used to run a ton of marathons, Christina. And I remember there was always, and I was her massage therapist. And I, there was always part of me that was kind of like that she shouldn't be doing that. But when we look at somebody and we say that we shouldn't be, they shouldn't be doing it or whatever, it's, pu- it's making them wrong and it's making us right. And that's, all that is, is ego. And I just feel like, you know what? Like, let's just get above that kind of crap. The pointing of the finger and all of that. It's so juvenile. And it's just, I'm so, I'm so done with it.
0: Yeah. Well, we, we realize it's a waste of our, it's not
1: right or wrong to do it or not. do it. It's just recognize what it is. It's, it's your separator. It's your ego. It's the part of you that wants to keep you in dissatisfaction. And I'm sure we'll talk about the ego. Yeah. Do you want
0: to send your energy out to all these people when you can just conserve your energy?
1: Yeah. Just take care of you. Just do you. So. With Ironman being your goal, and I guess this goes back to like when you were coaching with Lucho, and your goal was to get to Kona and to become a stronger runner and become faster at Ironman. And you would want to jump into these races like a sprint or a 5K. And he's like, "What? like, stay focused. What's your goal? Is your goal to get fast at a 5K? Okay, we can do that. But if your goal is to get to Kona, stop running 5Ks. So your goal is to get to Kona, which you're only going to get to Kona under Ironman. So here you are doing a non branded. Ironman event why why did you do that why did you pull away from like doing Ironman branded to get closer to your goal and do Utah's toughest
0: that's a great question but I also want to just talk about Lucho briefly and there there is no right or wrong when he was saying that and it's something I believe in too and I know you do as well it's okay if you want to do 5ks and 10ks and and all Kind of races. That's okay if that is your goal. But if your goal is Ironman, you just put it right out there. Like you need to race. How do you qualify for Ironman? You need to race Ironman. Right? So why did I choose Utah's toughest and deviate from the Ironman branded races of working towards my goal? I knew that this would be my last race. Like mont Tremblant was going to be my last race of the season. And as I had been doing these races, Santa Rosa in May, Boulder in June, Mont-Tremblant in August, I was getting fitter and fitter and, and learning more about my limits and my fitness and my abilities or capabilities. And with that in mind, that it would be my last race, I wanted to just eke out the last bit of fitness that I had on something that was so challenging and so far removed from what I have been doing because all I've been doing is maybe one 70.3 race a season and then just Ironman races. Nothing in between, no 5Ks, no 10Ks, really nothing, just training. Lots of yoga, meditation. But Utah's Toughest had this allure of a way to go out at the end of a season, see what I had left, to challenge myself in something I've never done before, to do back-to-back races, and to go experience an event that is quite honestly, the opposite of an Ironman race, right? There's no support. There's no timing chip. There's no drop off your bike the night before. You have to find your own aid along the way. You can have your own personal support. I chose to use gas stations along (laughs) the, the bike route. And the unknown of trail running. I haven't done any trail running. I don't own trail shoes. I actually own one pair of shoes, the Hoka. One One Clayton's, they're what I've had for the past, you know, six, 700 miles of running on the road, maybe some dirt path, but not much trail running. I watched my wife out there crushing the trails. So there was that element. And just putting myself again in a situation where I don't know how I'm going to get out. I don't know how I'm going to get out. Now you can choose that as something that's fearful, something that you should be afraid of, or you can choose it and choose your attitude of what kind of growth am I going to get out of this? What sort of opportunities am I going to see? And I saw this race from the start as an opportunity to grow myself as an athlete and coach.
1: Yeah, so everything about this race seemed to be set up to break you mentally. How soon into the day did you see the opportunity to start for this race to start rattling people mentally? How soon into the day did you see that? And when was your first moment of being rattled mentally?
0: This is great. So I have a moment, but I want to backtrack to the day, actually the day before the race in the athlete meeting and the questions that were coming out and the answers that Casey and James were giving.
1: For example?
0: For example... You know, I I heard that on the run course, it's not clearly marked at every turn. So what happens if we take the wrong path or we get off course? Well, you just backtrack and find where the route will take you, (laughs) right? People wanted to know there's another cycling event out there and there were signs With arrows pointing for this cycling event, it was on the most of it was on the same course. People wanted to know well how much of it is overlap with the Utah's toughest course. And James's answer or Casey's answer was just follow the signs with the Iron Cowboy's face on it. (laughs) Right, it's just like it's so simple. I think we're so what, what I truly took away from it is we're so we're so conditioned to the Ironman branded type of athlete briefing where it's like detail after detail, athlete guide. Turn by turn, comfort well, zone.
1: Ironman's going for the masses. Right, so you they're know, making it more... They're making it more accessible. accessible. And we exactly. see that hugely with the the construction, the reconstruction of the swim and how they do the start of the race now. They're making it more accessible for the masses, which I think is amazing. And I think that there's a there's a population of people that are now being drawn to these like Alaska extreme triathlon to these extreme triathlons where it's it's vague, and it's unknown, because you get to a point where you know, and this is one of the reasons I left Ironman temporarily is just that I was like, all right, I know I can do it. I want to. I wanted to mix it up and, and, um, and start playing around with something that really scared me, and, and that was trail running for me, running ultra marathons, running in the woods by myself on the trail specifically. And I know some people that I run with that won't run by themselves, but I wanted to face that fear, and I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. So I love the unknown. This whole thing is about the unknown, and the unknown makes the mind crazy, and when we have when we have circumstances in our life where there's unknown we scramble for certainty we scramble for certainty it's it's a, it's a safety net it's the it's comfort zone it's a thread zone, that right? we all share in our humanity and but the thing is is that by our very nature our bodies our world the atmosphere everything is always changing so scrambling for certainty is such a fruitless journey because you're never going to find anything that is certain other than the present moment that you're in and the fact that at some point you're going to shed this body and you're going to leave the world. And there's really nothing else that's more certain than those two things. And, it's, it's, and this, is, this is like what we do in meditation and mental training is, is getting comfortable or getting skillful, I'm going to say skillful, getting more skillful in the unknown. And so they were kind of thrusting that unknown upon people even more so with their answers because they were giving them vague answers, which I love.
0: Yeah. And this it's will great. lead This will lead to the it's actual... It's so
1: good. We need to be challenged like this <sighs> mentally. My God.
0: James, and this won't be the last time I say this, James is giving everybody a gift. He's... Wrapping up this beautiful present for every single human in the endurance community to, to go into the rawness rawness of, of yourself, of your limitations and your possibilities and, and working towards bringing out something that you may not think is possible. And it goes back to this whole thing of redefine possible. Redefine it for yourself. And this event, James is, is gift wrapping it for everybody. And so that's what I kept thinking in this athlete meeting. I, I just wanted to stand up and be like, guys, guys, James is giving us a gift. He's giving us a gift. Are we going to embrace this gift and all the unknown, unknown and uncertainty and, and darkness? And-,
1: and giving yourself a reference point of your mental immunity. Where are you with it? Right. Where are you with it? Time aside. If you don't know what your workout's going to be this weekend, does that freak you out? Okay, there's your reference point. Right. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so in the athlete meeting, it said, here, here's where it starts. It said, swim start at 645. And then J- James goes ahead and lets us all know that the swim will start at 6 a.m. Granted, the park ranger is there and allows them to start the swim. Now, if you look at your phones, which I saw some people looking at to see when sunrise was, it wasn't until 645, 650, I want to say. So if we're starting at six, people's thoughts are immediately going, oh my God, how am I going to do it in the dark? How am I going to do it in the dark? Let's fast forward to race morning when I'm in transition zone and this beautiful transition zone. It's awesome. It was like 10 by 10, I want to say, or 15 by 15, super small. It was so awesome. Uh, and Did you
1: have racks for your bike? We had
0: racks for the bikes. Yep. Classy. No numbers on them. Didn't, know, didn't, didn't have any organization. It was just like, put your bike in there. And wherever you wanted. And I was standing there with Deepthi, who was my support, her and her family. So thank you, Deepthi, so much. My God, I can't thank you enough, you and your family, for just being there and opening your arms to me. Deepthi is
1: one of our athletes on Team YT, and she just, she showed up, man. She showed up that day. Her whole family showed
0: up, like, through the whole experience. Because you
1: didn't organize any support. No, I didn't. I wanted to do this,
0: you know, as, as much solo as I could, which... Looking back, I probably could have used a little support out there on the course, but we'll get into that. So we're standing in transition zone. It's about 10 to 15 minutes before six, and it's super dark out. And I'm just beginning to put my wetsuit on, and I can hear another athlete talking with another athlete about when they think the swim will will it really start at six.
1: Scrambling for the certainty, right?
0: And one and the athlete was just when
1: I'm going to interrupt you when the most strengthening thing you could do in that moment is just shut your mouth and breathe and just be in some kind of moving meditation if you're setting yourself and just really going in and tapping into that place that's underneath the breath, tapping into that calmness. But nobody ever taught us how to do this. So then we chatter about it and we stay busy and we weaken our energy by verbalizing things and and allowing the mind to drive our actions. So that's what's happening.
0: Yeah, it's happening all around. And what is, I, I, what's the chatter? I particularly cued in on this one conversation where the athlete was saying, there's no way, no way. So adamant, so so adamant as, adamant as you were in Boston on the train that day when you said, this is our stop, this is our stop, we need to get off. And it's one of the last train stops back to Quincy. And know? the
1: last train of the night.
0: And uh, it was the wrong stop, but that he was so adamant that the swim would not start at six. It wouldn't start if it was dark out. There's no way that we could start a race if it's dark out and not, I want to say five minutes later, James shows up right outside transition. He says, I just talked to the park ranger and we can start at any time. So it's your fifteen-minute warning. We are starting at six fifteen. Six fifteen, the swim will start. Fifteen minutes, and that was it. <laughs> so
1: quiet. Good. So good. Which was
0: so awesome. Another gift. Thank you, James. Another gift.
1: And so, why is so? Why is it a gift? What is the gift in there? What is the?
0: He is serving up on a platter the opportunity for us to to work on ourselves, to 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 see what's unhealed in us. To and how
1: do you see that?
0: How do you see what's unhealed? How do you see
1: what's unhealed?
0: Well, the, the energy that comes up, right? What is the energy that's coming up in that moment? Is it calmness or is it anxiousness? And what happened for me was just calmness. That was the knowing. James saying we have 15 minutes to prepare for the swim. That to me says, get your wetsuit up and walk down to the water. Those are the next two steps I need to take. Not getting caught up in, oh my God, it's dark out how am I going to see the buoy? Like all of the, all Was of those things.
1: chatter like that? Or did that kind of just like zip everybody up? I think
0: everybody kind of got into like fight mode.
1: Yeah, I better man up.
0: Yeah, better man up. Like I got to get this, I got to get my wetsuit on. And a lot I mean of people that didn't for the women too. On. And I
1: mean that in a, and yeah. I mean that in the sense of like, it's time to get to work.
0: Like 15 minutes. It's time to go to battle. Before a race, I need to be wet. Like my, my face needs to be wet. I need to have a few strokes in. These are all the things that need to happen. And I, I, I'll say like, Right away, when, when that came on, I grabbed my clear goggles because I knew majority of this swim was going to take place in the dark or, or before the sunrise. So you need to have visit, as much visibility as you could. But as we entered the water and we were to swim around to the dock, because it was a deep water start by the first buoy, which is by the dock, that you could not see anything. All we could see was, I don't even know if it was Casey in the, in the kayak, but he had two blinking lights on the kayak. I, mean, I guess that's what we were supposed to follow to the first buoy. I had no idea and everybody around me at that start had no idea where the first buoy was. We just knew that we had to hug, hug the shore. That's all we knew and it was dark out. 6:15, it was super dark. And I will say five strokes in, five strokes into the swim, I wanted to stop. The water was cold. The water was choppy the wind was picking up wind had already picked up the wind the water was super choppy and you can't see so what came into my mind was those was alcatraz or that uh what is the the Nord's, norseman where they start off the boat in the dark in the, of the ocean in the middle of that lake cold water and there's chop and and what are you going to do what are you going to do so another gift by james he puts you in this situation where you cannot see the buoy
1: so what was the mental dialogue at five strokes in?
0: Well, let me just backtrack. Five weeks, uh, a week before I was in Mount Tremblant and you couldn't see the first buoy because of the fog and they held off the swim for an hour at Man. A full hour because they couldn't see the first buoy. Here, it's dark. You can't see the first buoy. And James is saying, all right, 6.15. All right, go. <laughs> so good. Right? It's so awesome. So five strokes in, yeah. Five strokes in. All the thoughts of the past week came flooding into my awareness. Thoughts of, I've already done three Ironman this year. I just did one six days ago. What am I doing here? Do I need to really be doing this? And I think what sparked it was the compression of being in the water, of not knowing where I was, of that, that wetsuit, not having a proper warm up, and just the mind looking for a way out. Right, the mind is conditioned to look for reasons or pay attention to the reasons that come up to get out of the situation. It's fight or flight. Am I going to, you know, run away from the situation, or am I going to stay with it? And that continued. You know, I, I continued moving forward with the pack, with people, just to see what would happen. And eventually, eventually, I made it to that first buoy.
1: You told me that there was a a time when. I don't know how this person got your attention, but there was a guy there, and he said, "I'm just going to follow you." That was
0: after the first turn buoy. That
1: was after the first. I made turn the first
0: buoy. turn, and after you, because you're really hugging the shore tight, and you make a right-hand turn to swim out into the lake, Jordanell Reservoir. And there's another buoy, and all I could see there was there's a boat there that had the blinking lights. <laughs> so I kind of knew where that was, and the guy next to me was just like, "I'm just going to follow you. You seem to be swimming."
1: Do you feel like that guy put you like into service where you were like, okay, I have to get to this next buoy because this guy's relying on me. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, yeah, that's a good, that was a gift.
0: And that, you know, now that you mentioned that in that moment, because I pride myself on having the skills to sight and swim straight, I had to own that. I had to own that skill in that moment. Like, what am I good at? Well, I'm really good at focusing and I'm really good at sighting and moving straight. So I just started to move towards the buoy. And I, every now and then, I would look up to make sure he was next to me. And I kept swimming and siding and swimming and siding. He was going off the route a little bit because the, the current was a little bit stronger with the wind. But then he would see me, and then he would come back in. And so, yeah, I did feel in service. And it's funny because being in service is what allowed me to heal and come back to this sport with a healthy relationship to it versus the depths of the attachment to the expected results.
1: Well, and what happened was, is that you were not alone anymore. You have this person with you, like, okay, I'm with this guy and I, we are together. We're going to get this done and I'm going to lead him to where he needs to go. Whereas before, right? And this is that ego. You're all alone. What am I doing? I'm, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. I have nothing to prove. I've already done this. I, my focus is Iron Man. Da da, da, da da And it keeps you, like, alone and unsatisfied and fearful and scared. And it wants you to give up. Because if you gave up at that point, I think you would have really, really been pissed later on. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah, let's, let's stick a pin in that moment, too. Uh, the moment where all these thoughts came in for an out. Whereas... If I, hadn't, if I didn't have that sign of, like, if I don't continue, I will regret it. Like, if I don't continue on to see what's next, I will regret it. Like, I want to say in that moment, I stood up for myself and, and realized, like, I am fit. I am strong. And it only continued lap after lap. I, I, I got super present. So you want to ask, what was the mind shift from giving up to continuing on? The mindset was my breath and focus on my stroke. So the present so you moment. Got present. I got super present.
1: So you got back to full capacity.
0: Full capacity. I mean, we're talking flux capacitor.
1: Like ready to go
0: back to the future.
1: (laughs) And you stood up for yourself. So that's the, that's the classic Bhagavad Gita right there. You know, when, when Arjuna's on the bottom of the chariot and he's like, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to go into battle. And, and he's looking at the battlefield and it's his cousins and it's his family, which is basically representing the thoughts in our mind. It's that close to us. It's our family. It's part of us. And Krishna says, get up, get up and fight. This, this cowardness does not, does not serve you. Get up and fight. And so that was that you had a little Gita moment. And we all have that. We all have that. This is the every man's battle with the mind. And it's the battle that we are here to get to the other side of. And it's really the only battle we need to fight. It's the only one we need to fight
0: but but i will say you need to be awake and ready to see these moments
1: yeah i mean you, there's a whole freaking process that goes into right getting into that gap you gotta you gotta
0: <laughs> so you gotta be there aware right it could have easily and i had the thought of i can go back to deep these house in the ac Oh and just chill <laughs> for the rest of the weekend right
1: in my sweaties
0: but each loop each loop i got stronger each loop so there's three turns. You go by the shore, you turn right at a buoy, you go out to the middle and then you come back to the dock. There's one big buoy there. And when you come back to the dock, there's people you I sighted and I could see people on the dock cheering and waving. <laughs> so it's almost like, oh, back to back to, you know, civilization. And then you go back out by yourself. Because there's times we're actually swimming out towards that buoy, the first buoy, and there's people coming back the other way because it was a triangle. We're coming right at you so you had to be look lively so the first three loops i could barely see the buoy where i'm swimming to but on the fourth loop you could barely see the buoy because the sun was directly in your eyes so casey i talked to casey after the race he was like yeah that was perfect perfectly great for you guys right like can't see it because of the dark for the first three loops and then the sun's right in your eyes. And then
1: you create this expectation that oh, the sun's coming up, the sun's coming up, and then the sun comes up and then the sun is the very thing that prevents you from seeing. Right. That's why the present moment is so freaking important when you're racing because it's it's so crazy how these it's like there's a back room to the mind that's like creating all these expectations. And then the sun comes up, and now you can't see. Even when the sun's up, it's like, oh my god! But to have that expectation and to rely on the fact that the sun is going to allow you to see the way ruins the actual
0: experience. Moment you're having. when right. the sun
1: comes up and blocks your view. <laughs> Expectations ruin the future. So again, maintain this, that belief.
0: This course is just perfectly, <clears throat> perfectly laid out, right? Yeah. So yeah, I got stronger, and and I think it was the third loop where. I was into my groove. I was, I was. I wouldn't say I was cruising, but coming off my best swim ever in Mount Tremblant, I just, I'm like, I'm strong enough. I'm, I've got this. I can sight. I'm looking at the buoy. Like every three or four strokes, I'm sighting, looking right at the buoy. I'm on target. I'm getting stronger. Thank you, ocean. I think I expressed to you, the ocean was angry. The ocean, the lake, the reservoir was angry. The water was angry that first loop, but then. When I made friends with it, I just calm calmly got back into the moment. The ocean was like supporting me; it was pushing me along. It was a, it was a, re, it became a relationship where we were we were working together.
1: Yes, you become one with it.
0: I became one with the ocean, as
1: opposed to fighting against the waves and wishing that the current wasn't there and wishing that the wind wasn't there and wishing that it wasn't dark. You embrace what is,
0: and yes, you so become one with it. Anxiety and fear and doubt became joy. An instant change into joy. And I was smiling, having fun out on the swim. So to change, and this is, this is (laughs) the theme throughout the whole day. It starts out doom and gloom, and it ends with joy. So if you don't continue on your journey or path as an athlete or as a human being to try to achieve your goal, whatever that is, if you don't continue past those moments that are the most challenging, you'll never feel the joy on the other side. So you just you need to keep going. It's a must. You must keep going.
1: All right. So you get out of the swim, and the bike was pretty legit. It was one hundred and five miles with just about ten thousand feet of climbing, and you go over Guardsman Pass. That's the last. The climb. last pass.
0: It's about three to four thousand feet right there.
1: And I saw some Instagram stories from our buddy Adam, who you who is a um, follower of yogi triathlete that you uh, connected with up in Mount Tremblant, Adam. Right?
0: Yeah, I didn't. Con- yeah, he did Mount Tremblant. Well, he did we, Mount Tremont, and, 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 and then he was in. And he was in Utah,
1: and I was what he was. He was actually posting stories. Thank you very much, Adam, because I uh, there was.
0: was a blackout as a
1: spectator. I can tell you that this race was meant to mentally break you as well because there was no information whatsoever. So I would watch Adam's, I was watching Adam's stories and it was like, he's riding his bike and then he's like, then he's walking the bike and then the bike is now on the side of the road and he's taking a break and then he's like, it was just so funny to see. I was able to say like, whoa, you know, like there's, this is, first of all, I was like, this is amazing. This is so awesome because James is giving everybody such a huge opportunity to heal because the emotions that came up during that race were not created by that race. That race was the catalyst to show you what was already within you. And when we break ourselves down physically, we open up easier to allow the emotions to come out. How was the the bike experience for you? I mean, I talked to you. Let me just preface this, everyone, by saying I talked to BJ on Friday night before the race and... You, I could tell you were tired, but then you just said to me, you go, I am so exhausted. (laughs) I was like, awesome. What a great way to go into this race. You know, I I didn't say that to you. But I got off the phone and I just really just said a prayer and just surrounded you in light and prayed for your protection and your strength and and then let you go because this was your journey to have and, and I had to be okay with whatever it was that was going to come up. So here you are exhausted, wanting to give up on the swim, and now you're on this crazy bike.
0: Yeah, got out of the water and I wasn't worried about time. So I, I've had some lingering sensations from Mount Tremblant, specifically these like razor blade cuts on the inside of my legs. So I took the opportunity to go into the bathroom and change into some cycling gear, you know, with a nice pad, nice coverage, and took my time there and hopped on my bike. And right from the start, I got lost trying to get out of the campground. So (laughs) as soon as I found, asked some campers and was able to get out of the campground... I quickly found my way out and onto the course, which it's a little bit of a climb out out of the reservoir. And then you descend and you do this little out and back on midway. And then you start this climb back up around Jordan, Jordan Reservoir. And then you just keep climbing and climbing. And you're like, this is like five miles in and I'm already climbing a lot. And so that sort of set the tone of what the day would bring. And then after that, You know, it's relentless. It's this false climb out all the way to—I want to say Wolf Creek. I think is what they what they were mentioning it as. There's a turnaround out there about 35 miles, false flat up, and then you can race all the way back in. And at about 50 miles, I hit my first opportunity to refuel, which is a little little cottage uh, like grocery store kind of place served breakfast. It was kind of interesting. (laughs) I cleared them out of their water and hopped back on the bike and headed back out on the route. And I knew my next stop would be at 80 miles where I could stop at 7-Eleven and refuel. But the bike overall is challenging. It's it's meant to be challenging. There's 105 miles, 8,343 feet climbing feet. And most of that is done in that last 10 miles up Brighton Resort. So, up until that point, it was relentless. It was up and down, up and down. And I kept running into Adam. Adam and I were side by side. We'd be jockeying for position. And the only reason why I would catch up to him is because he was doing his stories and informing people of where he was. But it was getting warm out. And I just remember you telling me to stay topped off on fuel. And that's what I did. So, I probably peed, got off the bike and peed four times during that bike, which is. Not normal for me. In Ironman, i probably pee once or twice, and I'll do it on the bike. But I got off the bike and really had to go. So I was well hydrated. I knew I was well there. I just had to keep taking in the fuel, the calories of food.
1: And the information that I was getting from Deepthi was that the last 10 miles of the bike was breaking people. That most of the people coming into T2 were crying. Actually, the, the text that I got from her was, I have never seen so many grown men crying. So when you finished up that last... And she said, we're expecting BJ in about an hour. Two and a half hours later, she texted me. She said, he just came in.
0: He's, yeah, and last, she said,
1: he's very fatigued.
0: That last stretch, when you pass the sign, it says Wasatch Mountain uh, Protected Lands. or I can't think of the actual name of it, but there's a sign there. And you just start climbing from then, from right then. That first like climb up is so hard. And... Let me say, I didn't have my highest, I didn't have my easiest gear. For some reason, my shifting was off and I I had to use the second to easiest gear for, for the majority of this climb. And right from the start, it's testing you. There were two people in front of me and they were literally weaving back and forth on this road. I'm not even 500 feet into this climb. And these guys are weaving back and forth just to get up the mountain. And I'm doing everything I can to just turn that next pedal stroke over. So I'm like whipping my body, my whole right side of the body, to turn that right pedal over, right? And I have that done. Now it's like move my whole left side of the body, really gripping the handlebar and moving that left leg over. That just, is a
1: lot so of you, energy. You're
0: pushing and then you're stopping. You're pushing and then you're stopping. There's no easy cadence. And that went on and on for a while. And then there's a bunch of switchbacks and I started to pass these, these guys, and that's when I knew like what I was doing, keep moving forward, was what I needed to do. Now, there's no point in that when it was easy. There's no stretch, where it may have been slightly less of an incline and I could sit down and just pedal a little bit, but it was still pushing. And there's a few switchbacks, but it's relentless. I stopped, literally stopped on the side of the road in the shade three times just to gather myself. And there was one time I was on this stretch, flat stretch, straight stretch in the shade and a car pulled up and they're like, how are you doing? It's just like, I just, I just need to catch my breath. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was telling them about the race and they were like, we're going to root for you, number 63, we're pulling for you. And it was this whole family in a car who were just out for a joyride up Brighton Resort. So a lot of people had no clue what we were doing. And when I told them their jaws dropped that I was in the midst of the final climb of an already going up about a hundred miles. And so I just found the strength to just keep moving. I don't know what it was. I can't pinpoint what, what was it that was making me move forward? Is it anti quit? Is it the confidence that I'm a, a strong athlete, that I have this fitness? I can't pinpoint what it was, but as I was describing to you, there definitely was a higher, energy present that I wasn't about to argue with or try to figure out. It was in knowing and just going with it that this is what I needed to do in the moment was just turn over the pedal stroke one more time. And as I neared the top in the last mile or two, the road gets super bumpy and super cracked and gravelly and it makes it even more challenging. Right? James, I mean, you've checked all, everything to make this course so challenging. I know at the athlete meeting, he said the, the bike course was built around Guardsman Pass, the climb up to Guardsman Pass. And even when you get to the top of this thing, when I finally got to the top and you see people gathered at the top, you then descend. And then when you finish the descent, you have the opportunity to turn right and go down, or you follow the Iron Cowboy sign, which is pointing you back up to the actual Brighton resort lift, chairlift and the base. So we actually had to go up a little hill. I'm calling it little compared to everything else, but it's probably, you know, pretty good climb. And that just, to me, that was just like, okay, we can't ever think this is it. Like we just need to keep staying present in the moment because it's going to be unrelenting. He's going to keep firing hills at you back. You know, there could even be another one. So I just kept moving forward and finally I saw the signs that that brought you into the resort and I finally got there and Deepthi was all staged up with all my stuff ready and I just got off my bike and just sat down and I think there's a picture of me just sitting there white, right? And I just needed to gather myself. I kept saying, "I I just need to gather myself. Deepthi came up with big, big cup of Coke and chips and I think she got that from you.
1: Uh, she was texting me, saying that she, after she said, saw that the just the state of people coming off the bike. She had never seen anything like that before, so she said she was going to go and get you some coke. And I said, get get some salty chips because I know that you had been eating those on your on your long bike rides. And I was thinking about that eight hour ride that you did, which clearly you didn't mean to go out for eight hours, but it was clearly this perfect training day in prep for. For what you did that day. So yeah, she, she was just amazing. So she gave you the, um, the chips. And I think you just summed up, you just said something a few sentences ago that really sums up, um, I think, our ability to play this game of life. Which is you can never think that this is it. Because there's always more.
0: And that's the very reason you need to be working on the present moment. Yeah. It's the very reason you need to be, so that you, be in the now. So
1: that you can get to that point where which is beyond acceptance, it's a welcoming of all things. Where you can sit there and look at the perfectly packaged gift that James is handing you around every corner. And yeah, that you can never think that this is it. Like it's it's never it. There's always more. And even when you get to that, you know, that place in life and and you know, I'll flow through this and The course of a day. I'll flow through it in the course of a month. I'll flow through it in the course of a year. I'll flow through it in the course of a decade. You know, you get these points in life where your things are flowing and it's like steady and it feels so good. But I always know that that's my breathing room because something else is coming because I am here to level up and I'm here to level up and I'm here to level up. And that's why what we're all here to do is level up, level up, level up. So when we kind of curl back and walk away from those challenges or wish they weren't there or just endure our lives until they pass, we're not giving ourselves the full opportunity to level up. And leveling up has everything to do with being in that present moment. So I want to hear about how, because I talked to you in T2 and when Deep Thie texted me and she said, he's really fatigued. I said, get, I said, she said, he's changing right now. I said, get him on the phone with me. So how were you... Coming in from T two, were you like, I'm not going on the run? Yep,
0: absolutely, I'm not going out on this run. That was it. I got the bike done. I, I feel, I feel pretty good that I got that done. That was possibly the hardest bike I've ever done, and I wanted to go out on top. So I just sat there for a little bit, and then somehow I got up. This knowing, this, this push to go change so i went into the bathroom with my run gear to kind of change and get my face wet and that's i have like claire
1: michelle in my head right now And we were asking claire about you know what do you do and like when people don't want to do like get up for the workout or do the workout and she was like just put just tie your shoes practice tying your shoes so you like got up and you just like got dressed for the run
0: yeah I just want to keep going. I think I learned it from that time in Lake Placid when I got that virus, the stomach virus. And every day it was like, just do what you can to keep moving forward, whatever that looks like. And so, yeah, I went into the bathroom, I changed, and I just, I needed some moments to look at myself in the mirror and just get real, get real with what was happening. And I was not very coherent. I will say I was very... Maybe because of calories, heat, I don't know. I had definitely taken in more than I've ever taken in, but this is also you know, a week after an Ironman, so I'm already a little bit depleted. But Casey came in and checked on me. Or Aaron did, I can't remember. See, I can't even remember which one. I think it was Casey. Came in just to check on me in the bathroom, maybe deep they had sent him in because I'd been in there for a little while. My T transition time was 37 minutes, so quite a long time to gather myself. And I needed... Deeply didn't even talk to me to call you. I just, I just picked up my phone, went out into the little outside the bathroom into the the lobby area, and called you because I just felt compelled to just call you. And wow, like the emotion that came up, that bubbled up, that spewed out.
1: You were like kind of hyperventilating when yeah. you get on the phone with me.
0: Definitely, definitely crying. Like that was my that was my moment. I was releasing. All this energy, this muck, I think, that was building up inside, maybe even from Mount Tremblant, like maybe even from the whole season. It's been a long season, like all of this welling up. And I just remember you talking about you're having me breathe. You're having me like take a deep breath and breathe out. And you were just you were bringing me back. you were like, let it go, like let it. Let the emotions flow, but let your breath, like feel your breath come in and you feel your breath come out. And then it, and I think you were saying, are you safe? Are you okay?
1: Oh, well, I was saying like, you don't have to do this alone. Right like, call in, like, that non-physical support. Like, you don't have to do this alone. Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: See, I see I was very, like, I'm glad you remember this. Yeah. I was very, I I was crying, I was emotional, I was trying to listen to what you were saying, but I was also thinking, like, I got to get, I have to get back out there.
1: Right. But you weren't going anywhere when you first got on the phone with me. You were wheezing, you were hyperventilating, you were like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And I said, this (laughs) guy is like... It's like got a tornado going on inside. So we got you just calm again. And I said, um, I just said, you're not the doer. You're not the doer. Call upon that non-physical support. Like bring it in. You don't have to do this alone. And I just said, are you safe to go back out? Are you safe to go out on the run? Do you feel safe to go out on the run? And you said, yeah, I got to get out there. I said, okay, then go.
0: And that's when I went into transition and sort of
1: was like, I'm not going to <laughs> go, not
0: going to go, but I was gathering myself. I'm like, all right, I need to get the backpack. Like, what am I going to put in the backpack? And that's, I was getting it on and, and James, I was sitting down and James is like, James came over to me. He's like, you going to go back out. I'm like, oh, James, he's like, you will regret not getting yourself up and attempting to get out there and finish that first loop. You will regret this moment. And so back to the theme you that, that's come up in the swim and the bike, like wanting to stop. There's always been that voice, that angel that's been like, get real with yourself. Like it's a gut check time. Are you safe? And can you get yourself moving forward again? And when James said that, and after the clearing that you had worked out with me, and... The voice that was like, you gotta get outside, the literal voice. Someone's like, you gotta get out of transition. You're running out of transition time. Like, if you're gonna go, you gotta go. And so I strapped up the vest, stuffed the chips, the extra bag of chips in my, spong- in my bungee cord in the back, and headed out on the run. And I literally was running by that first, by the gondola or the, the bottom of the ski resort, and then up the mountain, and then stopped <laughs> and started to walk because it was just all uphill. But I got myself out of transition. Now, at that time, I was very dizzy. I was starting to, I was taking in calories. I was trying to get back, but each step was kind of awkward.
1: And you're also at like 10,000 feet.
0: Yeah, so I'm at 10,000 feet and the terrain is super rocky. And by the time, after you get up that first climb... You descend around this lake and around the lake, it's super rocky. And I was like planting my hands down to to gain my balance. And there were times there I was thinking like, I'm going to fall over. I'm going to fall over. I'm going to fall over. (laughs) like constantly trying to gain balance. So I was super out of it. I don't know how. I don't know how I made it around the lake. I did get lost once. I eventually found the trail back and I just kept moving forward. You know, I kept hearing people's voices and I, and when I found myself alone, I would start clapping my hands and yelling a little bit just to keep myself awake, but also because they had warned us that there were bears and lion, not lions. Yeah, mountain lions. Mountain lions up there. So I wanted to be fully, fully present. I do that
1: when I'm on the trail. I yeah, just, actually I thought about that. Yeah, I just yeah. make noise when I'm out there yeah. alone, if, it, if I'm out there deep or, you know, if it's those times of day when... They might be out and active, which was that time. It's like the sun was starting to go yeah, down. Yeah, 435. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't want to see you. That's not, they're not out there to see you. You're not their food of choice, so, but you don't want to surprise them. So no. making noise and staying calm because the energy of fear only brings more fear. So that's no yeah. good. Uh, all right. So tell us how you like... Yes, yeah, so I kept I moving. Mean, what were the... Po- any low points on the run or were you... Yeah. Did you did you run into any time on the run where you're just like, how am I going to do this? Or were you just so... It seems like you were just so stripped down at that point that you had no choice but to be present.
0: Yeah. I don't think there was any... I don't think there was any thought that I was going to make it and no thought that I was not going to make it. You just... Relaxed. I was just like kind of just moving. Yeah. And trying to listen up to people ahead that I could latch onto because yeah. I was by myself and eventually uh, latched onto Eric and uh, Rich. I think his name was, I want to say, yeah, Eric and Rich and Eric had done the Wasatch 100 a few times and he seemed to be pretty legit. This was his first triathlon, but he's definitely an ultra runner. And so I latched onto those two guys as we were heading up to the, the top where the Wasatch 100 goes. It's called the beach. And so I walked up with those guys and it's an actual, it's like beachy sand up there. And I guess people just bring a whole bunch of beer up there and hang out and cheer people on during the race. And so I got chatting with those guys for a bit and the views up there, we'll add some photos to this, to this podcast. Cause the, the photos up there are just amazing. Uh, but that's when I started to kind of like pull back in a little bit of energy. Like I was, I was getting fuel. I was taking in my scratch liquid mix. I was eating my bars and goos. And on the descent there, I really wasn't looking at my watch. It was beeping every mile, but obviously I'd gotten lost three times. So I was accumulating more mileage than what they prescribed on the map. But I got to a point where we were in the, like around a lake. And then we went back into the woods and I was starting to run. I was like, what am I doing? I'm running. And I started to feel good. Like I felt this high, this deeper source of energy and when i passed the water station where uh brittany was brittany who's we met at um at the 50 50 50 in rhode island too she was there at the water stop like i was like bounding bounding and i stopped there for water she helped fuel me up and i had another goo and filled up my scratch so i had another bottle and then i just took off and i'm bounding down the down the trail and Aaron, another one of uh, James' uh, wingmen, was helping another guy. And he's like, you look so different from when I saw you in transition.
1: And explain to people like what that trail was. The one that you were running down.
0: Oh, is it like lengthwise or?
1: No, you said it was just like a ski slope. Like it wasn't like a trail.
0: Oh, that part. But this is before that. Like this is like rocky terrain. This is like exposed rock. So you like, you're bounding at rock, you're finding little sandy spots in between the rocks, and then it's like all rocks. So you gotta like slow down, you like stand on the, you know this so well, onto the rocks and then it's like more sand around the rocks. So you're like, okay, now I can get my feet together, but you don't wanna twist an ankle, but, and you're just, you're carrying new momentum and I was flying. I mean, I have no idea where this energy came from. And then all of a sudden it's an abrupt stop because now it's a switchback. You gotta climb back up. And you're climbing back up this mountain. And then you get to a spot where it's one, it's a, if you guys are familiar with the ski resort, it's the connectors, you know, the traverses that bring you from one trail to the next. And it's just a steady, steady incline and where I'm climbing up it and I look to the left and I see this amazing view, this sunset that's happening, creating this ray upon me and the, the runners and walkers ahead of me. And at that moment, I took in like the beauty of what this race offers in terms of the experience, but the sheer beauty of being in the Wasatch Mountains of Utah, out there alone in the middle of nowhere with yourself and your thoughts. And that moment elevated me even more because we were getting to the crest of it. And it looked like we could either go right. I wasn't able to see the sign yet. We could either go right, which was climbing more, or left. It looked like we were going into this trail. And the sign with the Aaron Cowboy's logo on it, his little face, directed towards that trail, which was eventually going downhill. Now, this is just a regular ski trail. There's no trail. It's just grass. So in the winter, the snow packs it, and you can ski down it. In the summer, it's just wild grass. So in every... Five or six hundred feet, you'll see a random cowboy sign pointing you which way to go. I just started running so fast. I looked at my Garmin data since then and I was running seven seven thirty miles, the fastest I've run all day, and it's all downhill. And it was it was a long, long black diamond long, long black diamond with loose, loose gravel. So I was like sliding, sliding, running, running, running. And I was breathing, breathing. And I caught up to the people in front of me and they were like, you look great, you look great. And I'm like, right, because I'm going downhill and I know I'm only going to do this first lap. So I just pushed it, pushed it, pushed it down that black diamond around the parking lot and came across the, the, uh, the arch where you, where you finish your first lap and you can go into transition and go out for your second lap. And at that point, I was toast. At that point, I had had enough. I had, I had come here to gather and collect some information on myself. And at that point, I had an abundance of information. About who I am as an athlete, who I am as a person, and who I want to be and what I want to achieve in this endurance capacity, in this atmosphere.
1: Who are you as an athlete?
0: I am a strong, durable, confident, powerful endurance athlete.
1: Who are you as a person?
0: As a person... I can achieve anything I truly want to, right? That's the key. Do you truly want to achieve it? And I already have everything I need to do whatever I want to do. It's just focusing all of my attention in that area and pulling that out of me. Everything that I want to achieve as a a human being on this planet is already inside of me. There's nothing... There's nothing, no certificate or anything that's going to legitimize what I can do or dictate where I'm going to go. Everything I have is inside me. I just need to pull that out and let it shine.
1: How do you pull it out?
0: By having experiences like this where you're put in the situation where you actually need to find that stuff. You have to reach. I, take your hand and pretend you're reaching down your throat and reaching all the way into your gut, <laughs> right? And you're fishing around for something. Only then you need to reach even further, right? You need to go deeper, 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 deeper until you are like just barely, your fingers are like touching something and you, you reach and just reach down and you find it and you pull that thing out, whatever it is. And there it is. There's, there's the essence of whatever goal you had or whatever you wanted to achieve. It's, you're staring at it. I'm like looking at it in my hand. This is it. And this race, what James did was provide me and many others the opportunity to reach deep down, to take that arm and stick it down your throat into your gut and find out what is, what is truly inside of you and do you want to bring that out. Now, I, I could have gone out for the second loop. I don't think, to go back to your point of being safe, I don't think I was safe at that point. I was very depleted. And I needed a runner, which Deepthi had actually... Set up for me. Thank you, Deepthi. Because you have to have a runner after 6 p.m. You have to have a a partner, somebody to go with you. I just didn't have it in me. I was toast. I I actually did an Instagram video, which I don't think saved. Oh, my gosh.
1: If anybody was lucky enough to see that video, it was like the best motion picture of 2018. Because you were... Uh, as somebody who was watching it who was not depleted, you were totally bug-eyed, like you had just done like 20 lines of cocaine. You were completely like wired, like, whoa, like just kind of looking around. Your eyes were like really huge. And then all of a sudden your head just fell into your hands. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to have a release. And you picked your head back up and you were like, started to cry and you were like here it comes and you just stayed with it like you stayed live in front of all of these people and you showed them what it's like to have an emotional release that you're not ashamed of having and you just let it go and then it passed
0: so that in that moment this is what's great is all your defenses are down so that that normal normalcy of, of BJ protecting himself from not showing people what
1: right like I gotta be tough I'm a right, coach right. I gotta do this yeah, these this,
0: this guys I don't cry like all of your defenses are down James <laughs> set it up that way so that you're you have no defenses
1: plus everybody was crying so it didn't yeah. really matter
0: but it truly it it was a gift and
1: what do you think you healed that day
0: I definitely healed unworthiness issues Absolutely, hands down. Unworthiness, meaning I'm not good enough to get the Kona. I'm not good enough to to finish Utah's toughest a week after another Ironman. I'm not worthy of of continuing to pursue my dream. Like all of these things have now been tossed out the window. Like I am so far. I just up leveled. Let's use that word. I just up leveled a few levels. Not just one level or two, I think I've up leveled four or five, five notches here after this race in terms of having confidence and the ability to know and feel that I am worthy enough of achieving my goal, hands down, next year, no matter what.
1: And when I first started meditating with our teacher, I remember saying to him, you know, I feel like meditation combined with training for Ironman that breaks you down so much and going out there and racing, I feel like I'm fast tracking to like my highest level. And he said, absolutely. Like, make no mistake. You combine endurance sports with with meditation and getting in touch with that limitless self that does not have a trace of unworthiness, you are fast tracking yourself to leveling up in your life. And that's what I love so much. And the other thing is that athletes already have the will and the discipline to show up for that inner work. And it's just, you need that teacher to guide you along that path. I mean, it says it in the, in the, works of the sages like you're crazy to walk this path without a teacher you know and and if you're wondering who your teacher is like when you are ready your teacher, your teacher will, will show up will right? totally <laughs> show up for you so um yeah it's so it's such a fast track to your highest and best expression and your strongest and and most successful performances it's a fast track to those for sure to avoid the inner work is to just keep yourself in a cage and to keep yourself at a lower level than what you're, what you're capable of achieving in this life for sure.
0: So you also want to t- touch upon limits because you I think well, you were interested in knowing like, dude,
1: you've been asking and saying all season that you want to find your limits and you're breaking the sound barrier and you're breaking the bolts and all this stuff. And, The universe just kept lining this stuff up for you because your plan was to do Santa Rosa and that's it. So you've done Santa Rosa. You've done Boulder. You've done Mount Tremont, And then six days later, you attempted this insane extreme triathlon in Utah. So, I mean, it's like, be careful what you ask for because when you go all in on what you ask for, the universe will provide and and she will conspire to support you on your mission to find your limit. So when you got on the phone with me after finishing, I said, so you found your limits today. And you said, absolutely. So I want to know what, what did you find?
0: Well, right away, I want to say that run when I was out on that run, I don't even call it a run. It was a hike. (laughs) And I was at that point where I was wobbly and teetering and holding my hands on rocks and not knowing where I was, really because I was by myself. In the past, that's, that's when I would back off. Like, that's the moment where you're like, I'm in uncharted territory, right? I've, I haven't experienced this past this point. But when, you're, when you, all through the day, I kept moving myself forward, the doubts of wanting to stop on the swim, the doubts of, the bike being super, super challenging and just trying to turn the pedal over to get to the top of the mountain to the point of being on that run where I was somewhat delirious and not really stable, but still pushing through to the point where I'm running down a black diamond at 7.30, 8-minute pace. That's the, that's, the broken, that's the broken limiter right there. The ability to, to transform being pretty much at rock bottom, not having enough calories or the awareness to to gain balance, to pushing them through, having faith and belief that you will make it to the end of this run, that is breaking the limits. That, to me, broke a story I had in my mind that if I go any further, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, now I know what's going to happen. I'm gonna succeed. I'm gonna I'm gonna set the bar high. I'm gonna up level. And you know what, I'm gonna come back to this race and I'm gonna finish this race next year. All because I was able to push through that limit on the run this year.
1: So it sounds like you hit your limits all throughout the day, but you kept busting through them. And then when it got to a point where it became unsafe, you said, okay, I'm good. Yeah um so you are gonna go back next year
0: i'm going back
1: i'll do the run with you
0: great yeah if anybody wants to come out and support i'm definitely gonna take
1: or come out and be a competitor (laughs) yeah come
0: out and race this thing it's if you guys if you didn't get it if you didn't capture the essence of this race (laughs) from the podcast then just hit me up hit us up send us an email yogi triathlete at gmail Dot com send me an email Reach or out if to you want to train for it
1: be just gonna be training for it I'm gonna um, train for it this time
0: Doing, join the team yeah this this race is a must and if if you if you, tra- you want to challenge yourself yeah Ironman's great but if you want to challenge yourself <laughs> like yourself your inner self you must do Utah's toughest
1: I love it so a uh, final question. What did you take away from this race that you are going to take into Ironman Santa Rosa?
0: It's the ability to embrace what you think are your limits and not have fear of failure, but just continually moving yourself in the direction toward your goal. So I know that was a long answer in the face of fear. Like, Cause so, you're
1: going to have fear of the failure, the but f- it's the courage that lets you keep going.
0: The, the, the fear of cramping, the fear of not having the speed in the last 10 K of the marathon, the fear of going too hard on the bike. When you can, when you can put those aside, when you can just shelf those aside and just be present in the moment of wherever you are in the race. Cause there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong pace. There's no right or wrong cramp or nutrition. It's just what you're working with in the moment. Of course you need to set yourself up for success. But what I'm taking from this experience into Santa Rosa is like, I've got plenty more to give when I don't have enough. When I'm in that moment, I don't have the gear to shift. All I need to do in that moment is continually move myself forward in that in that foot strike, in that pedal stroke. Because things can change so quickly. The way that I was running down that mountain is proof that you can come full circle from being depleted to to just crushing it. So in Santa Rosa, it's everything is down. It's it's on. It's so on.